Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I'm excited about our guest today. She's Carly Hayes, and she's a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in disease prevention and metabolic health. Hello, Carly. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm very, very happy. I'm so excited to have you here because I know this is a subject that's very dear to everyone, not only for you as a mom of two young children. I always also have diet and nutrition top of mind. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today. So thank you so much for having me. No, this is great. So uh, let's go back to basics, as I, as I like to say. Is this something, because it's, this is one of the career or journeys or path that are not that traditional. I know a few people that do, you know, specialize in this, but it's one of those things that I always wonder, is, was there a calling early on as a, as a young child? Were you excited about eating well? <laughs> <laughs> I think as a young child, I was just really excited about eating in general. I remember my grandma gave me a little ribbon that said world's best eater. And that's just because I would just, I loved food. I ate all the time. I loved food. They consider me their best eater. So I think it stemmed from that. And I originally wanted to be a chef because I thought, oh man, that would be so cool. But I didn't want to work 80 hours a week in a hot kitchen. I really just wanted to work one-on-one -on -one with people. So that's where kind of that dietitian aspect came along. So my great grandmother, who was probably one of the biggest influencers of my life, of my childhood. She was a dietitian and she lived to be 101. So just kind of fell into her footsteps and followed that path. And it's been amazing ever since. I am very, very happy with my career choice. It's definitely what I was meant to be doing. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's a, okay. This, that's a wrap. Let's go. She's happy with what she's doing. Normally we kind of look into you know how you get there, but I'm usually excited about people that knew their calling so early on. And I'm happy for you because as someone that works in a family business, and I was talking about this the other day, it's there's some emotional component to it. I don't know if you feel it, but to know that you are following in the footsteps of your great-grandmother and that you're doing something she did, doesn't it make you feel like you're carrying on some sort of legacy there? Oh, 100%. And I, I think I kind of resisted that at first. She was a dietitian. She told me, like, I think she just knew that I should be a dietitian because she would plant that seed and talk to me about how, oh, this is a great career. Maybe you should try being a dietitian. And, you know, as a, a young kid, you're resisting. No, I'm going to do these other things. You know, I thought I, I maybe I thought I would be famous. Maybe I thought I would be a chef, like I mentioned. So I kind of resisted that. And I remember going to college first when I was 18 and I didn't have a career picked. I was like, I'm going to see where it takes me. And it wasn't two years later when I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a dietitian. She was right. So that's, I that's definitely great. followed in her footsteps overall. Well, it takes courage and it takes uh, maturity to, to recognize it because that's another thing for our young audience out there. 
everybody that I've interviewed on the subject, including me, when there's a parent or an a older person planting that seed, we've all resisted it. We all resisted it. it there's something I think is a natural thing. They say, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, right? <laughs> Agreed, right? We just want to kind of fight the power at first. And then ultimately, we realize a lot of the time, these people just knew us really well and kind of had our best interest at heart. But we have to find that out for ourselves. That's great. That's great. So you got into it. And, and so you went to school for it. And, and you started doing Is there at any point did you doubted your your journey? Or you, it was always very clear to you, this is this is what I'm getting into? That's a great question. And I definitely did doubt it. So when I was going to school, no, I was, I was so passionate about nutrition. I, I felt like this was the future. Like, why aren't, why isn't everyone obsessed with nutrition? So I really fell in love with the schooling, with the science behind nutrition. And just again, with those emotional aspects of eating as well, you know, we eat for physiological reasons, but we also eat out of emotion and it's got this nostalgic feeling for us. You know, food is so integrated in every part of our lives So I just was really excited that my career was going to help people use that to their advantage to be their healthiest self. But I would say in my first position as a dietitian, so right out of school, I did start to doubt that just a little bit, you know, is this the right thing for me to be doing? And that's just because you know I was doing general outpatient. So I was working one-on-one with people, which is what I really wanted to do. But what I found was everyone was coming to me really disheartened because they had just been diagnosed with diabetes or prediabetes, or maybe they were suffering from autoimmune conditions, whatever it was, they were coming to me after they'd already had that diagnosis, after they were feeling kind of defeated, maybe after they, you know, their doctor told them, well, you have to do this. You know, it wasn't their decision. So I think a lot of times people were coming to me feeling trapped in, in their condition. And so I started to get a little frustrated because I just had to think there's a better way to do this, right? There's a better way that I can help these people before this happens, you know, 10 years down the line, because we know that a lot of these conditions take decades, years to develop. And so it's not just one day you wake up and you have a blood sugar higher than we want to see, right? That's slowly creeping up over time before you're diagnosed with diabetes. So my thought is, can't we address this earlier? Can't we make people more excited about their health so that they can really put that into their own hands and not feel so controlled by that condition? And so, yeah, I remember feeling really frustrated, kind of like, this isn't what I want to do. I really just want to help people. And I don't know if I'm doing that to the best of my ability. But thankfully, what I'm doing now definitely accomplishes that goal. One of my big core values is you know, helping others, making a difference. And I feel that every single day right now, which is great to feel. So I think there's an opportunity for that in the world of nutrition, but we just have to focus on that preventative approach. I think that's the key. I, I love that. I love that because you identify something that wasn't like a good match for you because maybe if you're a psychologist, maybe they they appreciate, you know, like after the trauma has happened, now you try to fix it and give them tools. But in your case, it's almost like I, I know how to help prevent this from happening. And so it, I can relate to the frustration it must have felt. And so even in your bio introduction, when you say you specialize in preventing chronic diseases from, you know, hopefully not happening, and so, and so talk, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, when we, in our, in our few words we had before we started talking, I share, you know, as a mom of two kids, I personally struggled with weight all my teenager years. And it was 
it was hard because, you know, you, uh, you, you, you feel maybe you're eating right, but maybe you're not. And then you don't see the results you want. And then the, it, it took a, a lot of even soul searching to get to a point where, okay, I finally lost the weight and I got into, into my routine and, and feel good about myself to the point where people now, you know, I'm 47, but people say, you were never chubby. I say, oh, I was chubby. <laughs> oh, I was chubby. Oh, I, I went to a dietitian. My mom took me, I think I was 15 to see someone and to get into that because she recognized this is something that can go out of hand. And so I'm very grateful that she did. And as a mom, you know, you have the same things because my kids eat very healthy, but they love food. <laughs> they love, you said it, and I'm thinking of my son eating and he just enjoys it, you know? And even yeah. if it's healthy, it's like, that's two apples. You don't need two apples. With one apple, you should be fine. <laughs> So that kind of thing I have to deal with. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. And I think, yeah, nutrition is something we all think about, but there's a lot of miscommunication or misunderstanding about nutrition. There's a lot of different ways to eat. And if you go online and search any food, you can find a reason why you should not or should be eating it, right? So we're just getting all of this noise from all over. You know, you probably have friends that tell you to follow this diet or your friend had success on this diet, but then you try it and it just doesn't work for you. So it can be hard to know which way is the right way. And just as a dietitian, we're always trying to figure that out with the person. So I think one thing to remember is that you know your body best and I'm just trying to help guide you based on what your body's telling you. So what I'm doing now, I think is, is really helpful because we have metrics that tell us what the right thing is for your body. And we know now that there is no one size fits all diet, right? Everyone responds differently to different foods. And so I might have really, really good responses to sweet potatoes. That's a quote unquote healthy food, right? But you might have a really negative response. But the problem is we can't see inside of our body to see how we're re responding to those foods in real time. And so with NutriSense, which is the company that I'm at right now, that's what we're focusing on is helping people identify those foods that their body does well with to build that personalized diet. So personally, I think personalization in your diet is the future of health. We, you know, that's another thing I was frustrated with, you know, with my schooling, it was, these are the macros that everyone should follow. And really when you're looking at data and you see how that responds and how different we all are, it's not like that. Everyone has different things that are going to make their body tick, that are going to make their body feel the best. So I think it's connecting those dots, doing the experimentation and seeing what works best for you and what makes you feel your best. So just a little bit about NutriSense, we're using continuous glucose monitoring. So those are these just little patches that you wear that measure your glucose 24 seven. And that's just a way again, to see how your body is metabolizing every single thing that you eat. And that's also to see how stress, sleep, exercise, all those other pillars of health are affecting your body. So we always think of this as kind of the other vital sign. And really what it's doing is telling you how your daily habits are affecting your body, your metabolism, and by harnessing that information, we can often find the right direction. Like I said, I think that's the big hard part, right? Is finding the right direction and something that you're going to be able to stick with. So yeah, yeah. that's that's where we come in. I love it. I think that's uh, very smart. And uh, we've, you know, I've had people on the show that, you know, well-being, I think that's one of the pandemic's, I think, gifts, if you ask me. Like people were forced to look into into how they were living and they were forced to slow down and then we could incorporate, you know, 
new things and exercise. Now it's a matter of see who keeps it up and who who lets it go. But at the same time, it incorporated all these concepts of personalization, even technology, the Zoom call, call we're having. I spoke with some people in England recently. They were in the podcast and they were they also all about personalized, you know, routine and well-being. And they were with you. Kind of what you're describing is like this is not a one size fits all. And I think that's part of what creates frustration in in us because you, you said it right. Is why isn't everybody obsessed with nutrition? This is something that we all should be obsessed with because it, it touches us directly every single day, several times a day. And yet we are not obsessed with it. I mean, not everybody is. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's powerful. I think if we, if we all had those stats and metrics that tell, oh, look what you're doing. And, uh, you know, not as a way of saying you're doing something wrong, but it's saying if you adjusted this and that, the, the impact would be immediate. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the one main metric we're using to, as a, an indicator of health is our weight, right? And we know, you know, the weight um, on the scale is usually pretty slow to change. So if that's your one main metric, that's not very motivating, right? You yes. might see a, a small amount of weight loss one week and then the next week, no weight loss and you might gain a pound. So I think that can be really frustrating when people are using that to dictate if their plan is working. It's slow to change. There's a lot of factors there and that's not the pinnacle of health, right? I think there's a lot of other things to look at. And the problem is we don't have that real-time feedback. So we are creatures of immediate gratification. That's what we seek. We want that. We want to know that what we're doing is working. If you are putting in all this work at the gym, all this work with your diet, and you're seeing your weight go down a pound every other week, it doesn't feel very motivating. It can feel like you're putting in all of this effort and you're not seeking, you're not reaping the rewards from that effort, right? So I think we have to find a way to bridge that gap between, okay, I made this decision this was the positive outcome I had, or I made this decision. Oh, this didn't affect me so well. And so we need that really, really quick feedback to be able to stay on track long-term and have that be sustainable. So that's where I think some of the wearables that CGM, other things like people are wearing watches now, which can be really motivating to you know get their steps in or do whatever they're doing. I think that's the key just to maintain that motivation and make sure that you're staying on track because you're seeing that that payoff. No, that, that's great. And so if you were to, to let's say, uh, everything you're saying sounds great to me, right? And I say, okay, I, wa I want to find out more about that. What, where do you start? You, you, is that what people are doing now that you have the option to wear like a patch and that's going to measure and track and you guys have an app? How, how, how are you all doing this? Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of companies kind of coming out with this technology. NutriSense is one of those. So we, you know, in our program, we send you, yes, it's a little patch. And I know it can be scary because you actually apply it into your skin. Mm -hmm. So it kind of stays into your skin, just this little tiny microfilament for about 14 days. And so I think that's always the scary thing is, well, I have to wear something, mm -hmm. but really it's, it's really painless. And the alternative to that for monitoring glucose is to do that little finger prick. So if you know anyone with diabetes, right, they're doing finger pricks maybe in the morning or before their meals, maybe after their meals. And you can imagine it's not very easy to do, right? You're at a restaurant and you have to prick your finger. Um, you only get one moment in time. You're seeing your glucose at one moment. So for, for some people, that can be enough. But I think for others, just for the ease of, you know, seeing all that data and only having to do one prick, the CGM is, is just a little bit more realistic. 
And so what that does is it's going to measure your glucose or how your glucose metabolism is doing for 14 whole days. So you don't just get little plots of data. You're seeing kind of this time lapse of what your body's doing. And I always like to think of it as like a window into your body. You know, we are always guessing like, is this food good for me? Is this not great for me? And that you can see. So it's a little app on your phone where all of that data gets transferred and you can see it right in real time on your phone. And so me as the dietitian there, I'm seeing all of that as well. And I can help you understand it. So that's, that's where I come in. That's, that's great. I think that's, you know, and I always ask about these things, by the way, everybody knows this is not a pitch podcast, but I love technology and I love to learn. And I think people out there in my audience are also curious and, and it's fun to know about these things because I, I have friends that have uh, kids with diabetes, unfortunately, and anything that could help improve your quality of life or the quality of life of those you love, because there's uh, new tools and new technology out there that help you prevent it or, or or manage it. Because at the end of the day, if you have something like that, you probably, it's about your quality of life. As you say, you don't want to be pinching yourself during lunch or you don't want to go out of your way just to feel that you're safe. So I think, I think that what you guys are doing is really, you know, revolutionary in terms of it allows you to take control also of your health. Yeah. And I think that's, that's huge. That's all we want to do is put the power into the hands of the individual. So anyone that cares about their health has the power to make a change in it early on. And so, yeah, I agree. We don't want to, you know, if you can't do NutriSense, there are so many other things that you can be doing for your body. Uh, we're just one, one method, right? So I think the, the key here is realizing that there's no one size fits all diet, that you have to maybe do some experimentation and work with someone that might be able to steer you in that right direction without being dogmatic or, you know, giving the, the same plan to every single person. That I see. I see that. And as a dietitian, I'm sure you see a lot of this going more into what gets us there. Do you, have you seen in your life experience dealing with this, like a pattern? Do, do people, when they get to you, is because they've been fighting anxiety or they something, you know, what, what are the, the, the common denominators? Like when you see people and you say, oh, I see what they're going through, or this is someone that never took control of, of this problem. What, what, what's your two cents of wisdom there in terms of the causes that drive people to eventually have to go and see someone to help them get through? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And there are so many different avenues that people can go down to get to that place. But probably the one that I see most often is weight cycling or yo-yo dieting. So what I mean by that is if you, and you probably can think of someone, right, that maybe is on the newest diet trend every single time, right? This new diet comes out, they're trying it. And so they have all this success. They lose a bunch of weight. And then once they go off of that diet, they gain that weight back and then some. Have you, if you've seen someone like that, right, it's a pattern. Yes. And what we know is that the more you're weight cycling, the more you're going through those yo-yo dieting expenditures, the harder it is to lose weight afterwards. So it can become harder and harder to get back to a place of normalcy once you quote unquote, come off of that diet. And so the thing with diets is that we never want them to be long-term, but we want a lifestyle to be sustainable. So when people are wanting to lose weight, you know, you can probably lose weight by doing a fast. You can probably do lose weight by doing a juice cleanse, right? All of these little gimmicks or tricks that people do, but it's not going to be sustainable. And so when you're off of that plan, you're going to get right back to your starting point. So it's really about, you know, finding something that works for your body 
And again, that's, that's the barrier. That's the thing that I think people struggle with is it's hard to know what's right without seeing that data and being able to adjust accordingly. So once we have that data, we like to think of that as like, that's like a signal. Okay, my body's doing well with this. It's not doing so great with this. How can I work this into my long-term plan so that it's going to be a sustainable change and not just another diet that I ultimately come off of and then have to start again? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And as, as as I share, as someone that had its fair share of struggling with that I, in my early years, I, I think that I always say when I move away from my mom, my, my parents are Italian, so my mom cooks really well. And uh, she was the kind, she is the kind of mom that if you don't like one thing, she's going to make whatever you like for you and and another dish for the rest of the family. So it's not, you never had a day where you say, oh, I don't like that, so I'm not going to eat it. And it took me moving away when I came to the U.S. to study and I didn't have my mom. I, I lost the weight right away because I had her, you know, far away. So I did. I wasn't being fed. <laughs> and so then I could really find my own rhythm and pace and learn, you know, okay, I'm going to indulge here. I'm not going to indulge there. And, you know, it's funny because that always stays with you. Even if that, if, even if the weight is not a, a struggle, well, it's always a struggle, but like I haven't struggled, like I have to lose all this weight now. Like I never think I went into that yo-yo scenario that, I totally can see. And, and I tell people when they ask me, it's like, if you set a non-realistic goal, it, you know, it's going to have a non-realistic result. And, and I think that the sustainability that you mentioned, like being honest, like when I hear people, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. to go swimming for an hour and a half. And to me, unless you come from a swimming background, to me, that's a very hard goal to, to, to maintain, you know, especially for women, if you have kids and if you have, you know, so when I hear people doing this kind of thing, I say, that's great and you're going to lose the weight, but I don't think you can bake that into your daily life forever. You know, it's a very hard one. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm always asking people, is this a change you could maintain for a long period of time? Yes. Right. I have a friend that goes to the gym at 430 every day. Is this a change? And for her it is right. But for most people, if I ask them to do that, Maybe they could for a couple days or a couple weeks, right? Just to meet whatever goal that they had. But if it's not a sustainable thing that you can build into your plan, it's probably not going to help you long-term. So it's all about habitualizing those, those healthy habits and just making them kind of part of your daily routine. Absolutely. Now that's, that's great advice. And, and, you know, I know that we all have one way or another, we always have the struggle. I'm, I'm getting, I'm 47 now and I can see, how if I did certain things before, my body felt it immediately. And now as you get older and you hear it, right, from other women, they get a certain age and they say, oh, I'm, and my friends complain, I'm not losing one pound. It's so hard. You know, you can tell how the body is changing with age. And now you have to reassess and, and, and redimension the way you live and how you exercise because now you're entering into a new phase of life, too. Oh, definitely. And I think that's an important point, right? We're all going through different seasons of life. And so what worked for you, I think a lot of times we want, uh, you know, our high school body back or our college body back, right? Well, this is a different season. That might not be the most realistic thing, but we can definitely listen to our body and find a way that makes you feel good and gets you 
back to a place you feel comfortable, but it's definitely reassessing where you're at and what's what's attainable for you right now. Absolutely. I always say as much as people complain about breastfeeding, I say that was the best uh, weight loser component I had. I, I was never been skinnier after I had the baby. After one year of breastfeeding, it was like, oh my God, this is like, I couldn't stop losing weight because you burn so many calories when you breastfeed. And so I say, what what more other motivators do women need after they have a baby? And and the funny thing is, a lot of women don't don't feel comfortable doing it or don't do it. And I always say, listen, it's the best. You want to lose the baby weight, keep breastfeeding, and then it's gonna be gone. The you know when you least realize it. Oh, 100%. It's magic for so many reasons, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Carly, are there any other exciting things going on in your life that you want to share? I mean, this is pretty, pretty great stuff. I always talk about our journeys and, you know, how sometimes it's hard to stay true to what makes us tick. And and you say something about finding what makes your body tick, which I think I wrote it down. This is like, okay, this is a good tagline that goes well with the podcast. Um, but, you know, sometimes we disconnect with really what we feel we're meant to be in the world. So uh, at times like that, what do you do What you know, to reconnect to your true essence, to stay true to your mission? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, uh, like everyone, the, the this past year pandemic has really made me identify those outlets and identify what makes me tick and keeps me going insane, right? So we all have to have those outlets just handy and, and know what makes us work. So I think one of the big things that really, like I mentioned, makes me tick is giving to others or making a difference, helping other people out. And I would put this under the umbrella of connection, right? I think that's really what makes me tick and in my work, in my personal life, in my hobbies is just having connection with whatever I'm doing. So if I feel disconnected from anything, whether it's my husband or my job or what I'm doing in my free time, then I feel like my cup is empty, right? I'm not connecting. I'm not giving my all. And as a person that is a self-identified um, people pleaser, I think that's really important for me. So connection is my, my highlighting value. And the things that I do to build that connection through work, right? I think it, that's easy with what I'm doing right now. I'm able to talk to people every single day and hear what they're doing and identify those things that can help them get on the right path. So definitely work. I feel like that's kind of baked right in. In my personal life, it's been a little bit more challenging, right? But I think uh, nature is a place where I really feel connected and I can kind of unwind and, and feel myself. So uh, just on my bucket list this year, I have Mount Baker. I'm climbing and summoning Mount Baker. I don't know if you're into anything like that. Oh but my God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> right now I'm training for that. So it's been really exciting and definitely helped me feel connected to my body and to my goals and what my body can do, which has been really exciting. Wow, that sounds... I'm just curious, what's the training routine like for something like that? Oh, it's pretty brutal. So uh, <laughs> we have to do long hikes every single week. Right now I'm on like a nine to 10 mile hike. I'll do this weekend. So just one of those. And then on the other days you're doing stair sprints. So I'll get on the stair climber at the gym with a 50 pound pack on my back and do sprints followed by a little bit of rest. And then you do a little bit more sprints. So I think, you know, with exercise, especially for me, it has to be for a purpose, right? I have to either enjoy it or it has to be preparing me for something in which it's going to help me succeed. So with that, it definitely does that purpose. 
It's not me just going to the gym and sweating my butt off and hating it. I'm doing it for a purpose. I'm doing it to help my future self out. And that's something I see with my my people I'm working with as well. You know, if you're exercising just to lose weight or to meet whatever weight goal that you have, it's not as motivating. But finding a way to exercise to feel good, move your body in a way that feels really great or makes you feel energized, or in my case, helps me climb a mountain, I think is a lot more motivating and sustainable. So that's definitely something that that I benefit from. Absolutely. Wow, that sounds very, very exciting. And I think that's, you know, usually the kind of feedback I, I, I love to share with the audience, because it's when you connect well, I'm a connector too, and obviously that's why I do this podcast, but the importance of connection to not only another human being, but to nature, to what you really want to achieve in your life. And, and just the fact that you are able to do that, you, you, you can tell in conversation that you feel, you know, accomplished and that, yeah, like everybody else, you, there's ups and downs, but the fact that you keep checking in with yourself and staying true to those those things that make you tick are why you you are successful and why you honestly have a very shining smile. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the harder things is finding what makes you tick because it's not it's different for every single person. So, an example that I have of this is I'm not a competitive person at all. And I think a lot of people are and that's awesome, but I remember growing up feeling like is there something wrong with me? You know, when I'm playing this sport, I don't you can have the ball. I don't really need it. Like if you want it more, have it, right? I was never that competitive person just because that's not what drove me. What drives me is is making a difference and connecting with others and giving to others. So I think that's what makes me feel whole, but it took me so long. It took me decades to figure that out about myself and to realize, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. That's just not my thing. That's not what makes me go. I don't know if you've had, you know, kind yeah. of as a connector, that similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. And actually what you're saying, it's, uh, I was listening to a spiritual teacher the other day and he said that exactly that, that we are all very good at telling and knowing what we are not but we are all very bad at knowing what we are. And I think that's right on, and it goes hand in hand with what you say. You, you, you identify, it's easy to say, I'm not a competitive person. I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy, but then to really put your thought in the same energy that we put into knowing what we don't like. And if we put that energy into knowing what we like and what we want to do, it's just so much more powerful that and it gets us in on the right track and obviously you do know what you like and you're in and you're on the right track and I, and and that's why I always invite anybody out there listening put some thought into what you are and that uh, is not a bad thing to think about what we're not but put some more emphasis into into what makes you tick and I think definitely it's a, it's a good step forward Yes. You know, the seven habits of highly successful people where, you know, we're always focused on correcting our shortcomings or the things that we're not great at, but we don't sharpen the saw, right? We don't sharpen the things that we're really good at or focus on those to kind of improve those. We're always focused on what can I do to improve this weak spot of mine, which I think both of those things are really important. But, uh, you know, if you are really, really great at nutrition or cooking or, or that sort of thing, but you're always focused on those things that maybe you're not as great at. You're not going to nurture that skill and become the best that you can be. So I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes courage because sometimes we are in love with ideas of who we are that maybe to recognize that really we are not. And uh, it, it, it 
takes me to an old boyfriend of mine that he said he was a surfer, but he said that his dream was to surf. And I maybe have shared this in a different episode, but in any case. And then he told me that at, when he was younger, he could have gone to study at UCLA. And I said, that's California. That's like the Mecca for surfing. Why didn't you do it? And then he gave me a whole list of things. I said, then you have to come to terms that surfing is not as important for you as you think it is. Because if you didn't do it when you were single and when you were young and when you could do it, much less you're going to do it down the road when life gets more complicated. But for him, it was, you know, there's something there that's saying you, but you have to accept that then that idea of I'm going to retire to surf and all that. If you could do it now and you didn't, you know, then maybe you have to own up to the fact that you don't want it badly enough. And I think we are, a lot of us struggle with that, with coming to the realization that, you know, if I accept that, then I have to let go of this anchor or dream that I've had. And, it, and it's not easy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is I think, yeah, sometimes we're tied to that idea of ourselves that we have when we're younger, that we're not we're stuck there and we're not letting ourselves evolve into who we're meant to be. So I think that might be with your boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> that was his idea of himself and it was hard to evolve into something else. And I think sometimes that can hold you back from your true potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. I definitely going to look into, you know, NutriSense and all the these things that you've shared with us and how to become more conscious about the tools that we have out there to prevent us getting into situations, especially as a mommy of two. It's always a good thing to know. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you because all the work you do is definitely putting a lot of goodness back into the world. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I would just like to lead, you know, even, even if someone isn't working with NutriSense or going through our company, I think those same principles apply, right? So connecting with your body, listening to your body, feeling what makes it tick, right? Listening to what your body's telling you, your energy levels, how you're feeling, not just your weight, but all those other metrics of health, I think are really, really important. And if you feel stuck, find someone that's not going to give you one size fits all nutrition or health advice. Find someone that's going to listen to you as your own body expert. So thank you so much for having me. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with you today. Great. Likewise. And good luck in the climbing and on the training. That's <laughs> definitely something you won't see me doing anytime soon. But I definitely have sent pictures <laughs> when you climb the summit. <laughs> I definitely will. All right. Thank you so much, Carly. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.